you have been here working hard even though we're in a pandemic. You've been risking your lives every day to put food on your table, to make sure you have a roof over your head, and that is why we're here in solidarity. East L.A. activist Kenya Alcocer with the California Poor People's Campaign speaking earlier today at a McDonald's in Monterey Park, where workers were striking to demand better pay and working conditions. The labor movement is having a moment. The hashtag Striketober was trending last month. And on Monday, more than 30,000 Kaiser Permanente workers up and down the West Coast are expected to walk off the job citing staffing and safety concerns. 10,000 John Deere employees have been on strike for weeks. And workers last week rejected the farm equipment giant's latest offer of a 10% pay bump and a bonus for ratifying the contract. Kellogg's workers have also been striking for the past month, and negotiations have stalled there. And of course, labor unrest nearly upended Hollywood last month when the production workers union IATSE averted a strike at the 11th hour. So what's happening? And what does all this say about the relationship between employers and workers nearly two years into this pandemic? Stephen Greenhouse joins me now. He's a longtime labor reporter who spent decades covering this beat for The New York Times. And he's the author of the book, Beaten Down, Worked Up, The Past, Present and Future of American Labor. Stephen Greenhouse, welcome to Press Play. Great to be here, Madeline. Well, let's get into the specifics of the current strikes that I just mentioned. The likely strike at Kaiser Permanente. What are the issues with that one first? I think there are two things going on there, uh, essentially, Madeline. One is the workers, these nurses, tens of thousands of nurses, feel that they busted their butts, they risked their lives day after day. They felt they were giving their all to save people, keep people alive during the horrible COVID-19 pandemic. Then management has made this contract offer of just a, a raise of just 1% a year for three years, which has really angered the nurses. They think, you know, we've given our all, companies doing very well financially. Why are you making this miserly contract offer? Hmm. So they're angry. What do they want in terms of a raise? They want a raise of about 4% a year. And, and remember, inflation over the past year has been bad, you know, over 4%. So again, they feel insulted that they're only being offered a 1% raise. And second, the nurses and other healthcare professionals are upset that management, they say, is offering a two-tier proposal that would pay new hires, new workers, somewhere between 26% and 39% less than current workers earn. And they say... That's unconscionable. That wouldn't be paying nurses enough. It would be hard to attract enough nurses when there's already a nursing shortage because of the pandemic. Management says, look, healthcare costs in California, on the West Coast, across the nation are way too high. Uh, labor costs represent a big part of those health costs. And we have to hold down our labor costs or else our overall health costs are going to get unsustainable. Right. And we're going to get more into this idea of a two-tiered payment structure in just a moment. But first, let's go over the other strikes that I mentioned, big strikes. John Deere, in particular, 10,000 people are on strike there. They went on strike in October. What are they asking for? So, you know, John Deere is the nation's largest agricultural equipment manufacturer. Its profits have doubled this year, nearly $6 in profits. And their original contract offer, they offered a raise of just 2% a year, basically for six years. And the workers again feel, you're making record profits. The CEO just got 160% raise 
you're increasing dividends to shareholders by 70%, but you're just offering us a measly 2% a year raise. What's going on here? We're the folks who get these huge machines out. We do the hard work. Why are you insulting us by paying so little? So there's kind of a sense of grievance among many workers that, hey, we've heroically kept this economy going during the pandemic. And now you're kind of slapping us in the face by offering us so little. And they they want, I guess, what they consider a fair deal. And the workers at Deere just feel they're not getting a fair deal. Ditto on Kellogg. And in both Kellogg and Deere, as at Kaiser, the companies are are pushing this whole idea of a two-tier pay system that would pay new hires worse. And I interviewed this worker at Deere, Chris Lawson, who said, you know, this is wrong. A two-tier pay system means that our children, our grandchildren would be earning less than we earn. And that means we as a nation are going backwards. That's not good for our kids. And we're fighting against that. And the two-tier system, this idea says what? That newer workers would be paid less than established workers and receive fewer benefits? Yeah. So many companies like Deere and Kellogg feel that their costs are too high, that their labor costs are too high. And they figure, well, how do we lower labor costs? If we try to get our current workers to take a 10% or 20% pay cut, they're going to be really upset and they'll probably go on strike. So let's preserve their wages and benefits, but we'll save a lot of money by cutting wages or cutting pension benefits or cutting healthcare benefits for newly hired workers. But a lot of union members, a lot of workers say uh, they really divide workers among themselves. And I've interviewed you know, new hires and two-tier systems, and they're angry that they're making, say, $7 or $10 an hour less than the more experienced worker they're working right next to. And, and they're also upset that they might never get the same good pensions that the worker who's working three feet away from them and has been with the company 10 years or 20 years is getting. And also, another reason unions really dislike the idea of two-tier systems is that when you know the new workers who are hired under worse pay and benefits, they say, this you know, damn union, they agreed to this two-tier system that screws us, that treats us worse, and that's not fair. And why is the union sticking it to us? And so a lot of these workers on the bottom of the two-tier system start out angry at the union from the very first day. Hmm. Well, yeah, we saw that with the IATSE near strike. The workers were often angry at their union leaders for, and, and a lot of them don't like this proposed uh, settlement. They might not ratify it. So there's similarities uh, between IATSE and what's happened in some of the other unions. On one hand, I think management felt, well, this union has never gone on strike against us, so we could give them a fairly, a not very good offer because they'll never walk out, they'll agree to it. And it's a union that hasn't bargained very hard sometimes. And I think the workers were angry at the union, and this is the same thing as what's happened at Deere, where the workers at Deere uh, feel that the United Order workers like the Workers at Ayatsi feel their union didn't push hard enough. And as I said, there's kind of this sense among workers across the United States that they're newly empowered because of the labor shortage, that they're owed big time because they work so heroically during the pandemic. And I think they're also encouraged, Madeline, that, hey, we have a president, Joe Biden, who is clearly the most pro-worker, pro-union president since Franklin Roosevelt in the 1930s, plus Workers see that there have been other strikes that have been going on that have been quite successful. And they say, those workers did well by going on strike. We could do the same. Plus, according to a recent Gallup poll, 
public approval of labor unions is the highest it's been in nearly 60 years. So I think unions are kind of feeling their oats. Workers feel empowered. They're encouraged. They're emboldened. And I think that's a big reason we're seeing all these strikes. At the same time, though, Amazon workers in Alabama failed to unionize earlier this year, and even less than half of the eligible employees even voted. That is true. The playing field when there is a unionization election, especially when one's facing an aggressively anti-union company like Amazon, the playing field is tilted very, very much against unions. It's very hard for them to win union elections. I think a lot of your listeners don't realize that when there's a union election, Amazon and other companies have access 24-7 to the workers. They could blast videos. They could force workers to attend anti-union meetings or high-paid consultants talk about the evils of unions. And yet, under American law, companies like Amazon can prohibit union organizers from setting foot on company property, from even putting flyers on windshields of cars in the company parking lot. So there's this huge imbalance Mm -hmm. in access. And and that really skews the playing field. And I think that's the major, major reason why the results at Amazon were, were so skewed. But but is there also a case to be made for these companies like Amazon having higher starting salaries to begin with, right? I think Amazon has starts at eighteen dollars an hour. And that that might, you know, blunt the union appeal. Absolutely. You know, so for some of these Amazon workers I interviewed in Alabama, they said, look, I used to work at McDonald's for nine or $10 an hour, and now I'm making 16 or $17 at Amazon. That's great. We have it really good. And I also interviewed some Amazon workers who used to work at an auto parts plant that closed down, and they used to make $25 an hour, and those plants closed, and now they're making $16, $17, $18 an hour. And they say, we work our derriers off. We work our butts off incredibly at Amazon. And you know, for $16, $17, an hour, that's not nearly, nearly enough for considering how hard we work. Plus, let's not forget, Madeline, that the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is the richest human being in the world. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, his net worth rose something like $100 billion. And these workers, the pro-union workers say, something is very broken here. There's terrible income inequality in the nation. It's great that Amazon's doing well financially. It's great that Jeff Bezos is doing well financially. But hey, he can afford to pay us a lot more than $17 an hour. He could probably afford to pay us $25 an hour. And the workers who support a union feel that a union would be a valuable, efficacious tool to pressure management to pay the workers more. And the ones who are against the union feel, hey, I'm doing much better in my $17 an hour job than I was in my $9 or $10 an hour McDonald's job. And like, why should I I stick my neck out and you know risk having a union? And I think some of the anti-union workers feel better the devil we have than the devil we don't know. Mm-hmm. So bottom line, union activity, though, is a lot less now than it was, let's say, at the beginning of the 1980s. And union membership is far lower. But do you think this is a, a renaissance? So in the United States, employers are far more anti-union, fight far more aggressively to keep out unions than companies in any other wealthy nation in the world, whether Japan or Britain or France or Germany or Australia. Companies here work much harder to suppress unions, and that's the major reason why their percentage of union members has dropped. Yet, we are seeing somewhat of a resurgence, especially in strikes right now, Madeline. You know, we're seeing an unusual number of strikes in the private sector. You know, in the 1980s, President Reagan crushed the air traffic controller strike, and that really emboldened 
many companies to get tougher on their workers and many workers became more intimidated, more scared of going on strike. So, but right now, I think with the end of the pandemic, with workers feeling emboldened and feeling, you know, they deserve more, we're seeing this wave of strikes. And I think that's encouraging more strikes. And I think in a year or two, we're going to see more unionization efforts. We're already seeing a lot of unionization efforts among workers in our field, journalism, museum workers, nonprofit workers, a ton of uh, healthcare workers are unionizing, a lot of adjunct professors and grad students. So there, there is a wave of unionization right now, but it's still not large enough to really increase the size of the labor movement substantially. And, and, we're, and we're seeing the unionization efforts at Starbucks and Amazon, but, but the management's anti-union push is just amazing at those two places. So it makes it very hard to unionize. Stephen Greenhouse, author of the book, Beaten Down, Worked Up, The Past, Present, and Future of American Labor. Thanks so much for coming on today. My pleasure, Madeline. Great to be here.